Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that because He lives, we can face tomorrow. We thank you that because He is, so we also are. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your generosity, your kindness, your graciousness, and your goodness towards us. We thank you that we can call you our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. We thank God for the gift of life, and we thank God for another opportunity to meet, to have discussions with Him through the pages of Scriptures. And we are grateful that this is a day that was made by the Lord, so it gives us every reason to rejoice and be glad in it, knowing that we have a work that we must do and accomplish whilst we are in the day season of our life, because we are not naive, neither are we ignorant of the truth that night is coming where we will not be able to work so tonight we are continuing with our series all the other realm pattern which is latin for listen to the other side before judging and god through the pages of scripture simply wants to make a defense for him because many times you listen to people and i think they're going through and sometimes you wonder is there really a god and if there is how good is this god we are claiming to be good but many times we jeopardize our own lives. Many times we are the orchestrators of our own downfall. And sometimes as a human, especially when you're in a position where people come to speak to you and they tell you the things they go through and you ask yourself, how did you get here? And many times we are just quick to assure them that God will make things out. God will work things out. That is 100% true. But be sure that you are not the one sabotaging your life. And we looked at the man named King Saul, how the mighty fell. And we're trying to research into what happened to King Saul. And we learned that he was a victim of jealousy. And jealousy was what took a king to a commoner who died as though he was never anointed, says King David. And then we looked at the next thing, which I believe is the most significant of all, which is idols. And we looked at it from 1 John 5 verse 21, which says that the first place belongs to God alone. Little children, keep yourself from idols. The first place belongs to God alone. Little children, keep yourself from idols. And we did an exposition of this last week. And we looked at what an idol is. And today we want to just zero in on one main idol everybody is gullible to. And you see, we need to appreciate the fact that idolatry provokes the jealousy of God. Now, you, you, you don't want to marry someone who is jealous and i don't mean in quotes the normal jealousy that you would have but an obsessively jealous person hmm. you really don't want to be in that situation and how much more provoking the jealousy of god you have no idea the evil that you are befalling on yourself when you do that and i was just thinking about it sometimes especially in ghana i don't know about your country in almost every state institution you see the picture of the president's day on a nice frame and in almost every office every government office and i really don't know why they are doing that in in my opinion, it should be the coat of arms or the national flag, but well, it is what it is. 
So you go to almost every government institution, you see the picture of the certain president there. And just imagine that one day you are the president and you come into the office and this time you see an image of a lizard on the frame and they've written the certain president of the Republic of Ghana. What an insult. Or you are the CEO of an organization and one of you, you decided to do a working visit to one of your corporations and you see the image of the CEO and instead of seeing your image over there, you are seeing the image of a crocodile or the image of a tree and they've written the CEO of social and social group of company. They are provoking your jealousy. How much more when you ascribe deity to that which cannot even speak. How can you ascribe deity to a tree, to beads, to emblems, to, to animals, to creatures? One day I think I visited the, the museum, Ghana, I think our national museum, and they showed us the totem of every clan. I don't know if it was every clan, but of most clans in Ghana. And one of the totems of the clan, clan I think it was either my totem, my clan or something, but one of the tribes, if I should say, that totem was a dog. And the guy said that there was a time where, like, you know, they, they were living in a community setting, in a compound house and everything. Then I think there was a fire outbreak. I, I'm, I'm not too clear on the details, but there was something about danger. Either there was a fire and the baby was about to enter the fire or something of that sort. And a dog rescued the baby. Or the dog did something. I think it, it rescued the baby from the fire or the baby was falling into water or something like that. And because of the dog, the baby was delivered from that predicament and the people ascribe deity to the dog that the dog is a spiritual guide over the people of that tribe because when one of them was in danger it was the dog who delivered the baby from danger heart and what an insult to god you see that's why sometimes god is very skeptical of blessing us <laughs> let's just say it was god that prompted if i should say or that caused the dog to deliver the baby why not ascribe all the glory to god so we can literally make an idol out of anything god used a man to bless you god used your uncle your auntie your job to bless you and now you have taken the place of god to your job forgetting that it was God who gave you the job. So last week we defined an idol. We gave about three definitions for an idol. That anything you are sacrificing for, anything that God gives you that you cannot give back to God, and anything that takes the place of God in your life. So for some of us, our jobs have taken the place of God in our life. For others, it's our marriage, it's our children. Hey, some people, you dare not touch their children. They will give up anything and everything for their children, which you are supposed to do, but not give up the place of God to your children. And tonight, we just want to zero in on one of the main idols that we are all susceptible to, that which has the potential of replacing God in our lives. Matthew 6, verse 24. And I read, it says, No one can serve two masters. For either he would hate one and love the other, or he would hold on to one and despise the other. Full stop. Ye cannot. Jesus is the one speaking here. He says, you cannot. It is impossible. The one who says with God, all things are possible. <laughs> he is the same one saying that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I have heard this teaching before by a spiritual instructor that says that the only thing Jesus ever compared 
to God is money. The devil is not co-equals with God. Demons are nowhere close to God. The only thing that Jesus compares to God is mammon, the God of man. And what is Jesus simply saying? He seems simply saying that money has a way of influencing people the way God does. So he said that you cannot have two masters. You cannot have two people who are going to give you instructions. It's like being a house help to two people. It cannot be possible because almost always they will give two contrary instructions. So mommy says sleep. Daddy says wake up. Which one are you going to obey? Mommy says um, go to America. God says go to Pakistan. Which one are you going to obey? So what is Jesus simply saying? That money has a way of influencing people the way God does. And the reason why Jesus put God and mammon on the same pedestal is because of the similar influence they can have on people. God wants us to appreciate how money can control the lives of people. The main idol in this world is money. Mammon. Money has a way of intoxicating people. And God and Jesus is simply saying that the way money controls people is the way money should control you. And today we just look at several examples of how money has a way of just suspending rationality and our sense of dignity and humanity. Let's start with Matthew 28 verse 3 and 4. During this year's Easter, this was my Easter message and I don't know, it has just blown my mind. For Look at what happened. This is the resurrection of Jesus. Let's start from the verse 3. The angel's countenance was like lightning and his raiment as white as snow. Now look at what happened in the verse 4. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now, this is very interesting. These are the people, you know, when Jesus died, the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests, they went to see Pharaoh or Herod and they told him that Pontius Pilate, sorry, and they told him that we have heard this man saying that he will resurrect after the third day. So let us go and put guards in front of his tomb so that when his disciples attempt to steal the body of Jesus, they will be caught. So on the day that Jesus resurrected, an angel came and look at what his presence caused to the gatekeepers. For fear of him, they did shake and they became as dead men. Now, after having such an encounter, you would think that they would give their life to Christ. But let's look at what, let's quickly go to the verse 11. So, Jesus has resurrected, and let's see what happens in the verse 11. Now, they were going, and behold, some of them came to watch into the city, and saw unto the chief priest, all the, and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. So, the gatekeepers and the soldiers went to report to the chief priest that Charlie, we saw a man with as countenance as lightning, and as white as snow, and Charlie, we were as dead men. Now, look at what happened in the verse 12. When they assembled with the elders, and they had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. I just don't understand this. After having this encounter, money was able to change what they saw and what they experienced. As I always say that for many of us, we just want one miracle. We just want to see one angel. We want to see something small and we would follow God the rest of our lives. <laughs> but these were people that literally saw what nobody else would ever see again in human history. The resurrection of Jesus. But they chose 
to listen to the voice of money than this experience. You see, that's what Jesus said. Money has a way of influencing people like never before. Money has a way of causing people to just lose their rationality, lose their sense of humanity, lose everything that makes them human because of money. Look at the story of the man named Gehazi, which we have done in um, in one of our recent episodes. Gehazi. Why did he lose the anointing? This was somebody who was with Elijah. He saw how this guy commanded rain, how this guy shut the heavens. He saw about 30 different miracles, signs and wonders. But this guy chose two pieces of cloth and silver over the anointing, over that which Elijah had money. Let's go to a man, Judas Iscariot. This guy was literally with God incarnate. And you know, I like what John said in John 2. He said that many things that Jesus did, many wonders Jesus did, which are not recorded here. Because if they were to record them, the books of this world would not be able to contain them. This was a man who experienced something that most of us would dream of experiencing, but yet chose 30 pieces of silver over Jesus. The idol of money is what has caused many of us to have the experience of soul, how the might has fallen. And God is saying, or John through the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit through John is saying, my little children, keep away from idol. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. And what should be the place of God in your life? The governing authority of your life. So God is the one who says, who should be able to say to you, sleep. God is the one who should say to you, take this job, don't take that job. God is the one who should say, marry this person, don't marry that person. God is the one who should say, go to America, don't go to China. Go to Canada, don't go to Australia. But for many of us, it is not God that instructs us. It is money. So when Jesus says that you cannot serve two masters, he's simply saying that you cannot listen to the voice of God and listen to the voice of money. You will always choose one. You know, I like watching a lot of this um, detective series, how whether the FBI's or NCIS and all those people are private investigators solving murders and the rest. And in one of the episodes I was listening to, one of the whatever, there was a saying like, always follow the money. If you want to, if you want to solve a, a murder or whatever, they say always follow the money <laughs> because it's always about the money. And as I said, I just observed that almost ninety percent of all murders of course in the movies were because of money in fact a few of them were do they call a sociopath maybe uh, the person is targeting all females with um, a particular hair color or skin tone or whatever of course apart from the sociopath then maybe a few of them were because of betrayal even that betrayal guy because of money related betrayal maybe two people started a business together and one person tried to kick one person out of the business then maybe because of love somebody um, um maybe left somebody and went to marry another person but it's always about money and god is saying that if you want to live for me you cannot live for money money has a way of causing us to act irrationally you see a decent looking educated gentleman or lady and you look at some of the decisions they take some of the lives they live and you see how money has a way of literally controlling everything about them without them even realizing. And Jesus is saying that do not let money take the place of God in your life. 
Does this mean that if you have a job that is paying you times two of your job, should you not leave the job? I'm not saying that. Does it mean that if an offer comes that is times three of your this thing, reject it? No. I'm saying is that money should never let you contradict the voice of God in your life. So if there's a decision and the voice of God says A and money says B, it is always about money. That is why in Hebrews 13 verse 5, the writer of Hebrews says, let's, let's, let's read the scripture. Hebrews 13 verse 5, it says, Let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's look at it in another version. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Let's go to the NIV version. It says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because, why should you be content? Because God has said, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Keep your lives free from the influence of money. Keep your lives free from the governing authority of money. Keep your lives free from the dictating power of money. One day I heard a story of recently in Ghana, a very beautiful woman. She won one of these pageant um, shows we have in Ghana. She was a very young lady, if I'm right, around 22, 23 years old. And in Ghana, when you win things like this, a lot of ambassadorial deals. Almost every company wants to sign you as an ambassador. Uh, this one, a drink company will come, a beverage company, a tissue company, a phone come. Everybody's coming. And this lady made a very shocking decision. She chose to be the fourth or the third wife of a rich person in Ghana. And I, I kept thinking about this decision. And I asked myself, why will she do that? And I think we're having a discussion with friends. They tell it's all about money. It's all about money. It's all like, uh, I said, but you literally had the world at your feet. Because you had just won Miss whatever, Miss Ghana or Miss World or Miss Universe, one of those misses. <laughs> and literally, companies were coming at you. But she rather chose to be the third or the fourth one. And in one of these interviews, she said that the man promised that he will not marry again, that she will be the last. And as you can imagine, a few years down the line, this man has married again and the lady is angry. And you ask yourself, why has a woman stalled her life? Is because of money. Because of money. And you see, you need to appreciate that. You know, one day I saw this video on, on somebody's status, which was like, if I give you $1 million, will you accept it? Yes. And the person, what if I give you the $1 million and the condition was that you will not wake up the next day? So you have $1 million to blow in, let's say, 24 hours. Nobody accepted that offer. It indirectly means that many people appreciate that money is only valuable when you have life. And life is not all about existing. Life is about living. I know for a particular lady, I think she was a landlady, and she's literally a sex toy in the house because the husband does not allow her to leave. All she does is to, in quotes, manage the, the, the apartment. So she doesn't go out, she doesn't do anything. All she does in the morning, she serves her husband breakfast, the husband goes to work, she comes back, and whatever they do in the house, only God knows. And I ask myself, why would a beautiful young lady waste the gift of her life? Have you forgotten that your life is an investment? God has made investments into your life. And all you chose was money to be a girl wife and just stay in the house. Occasionally, you take one of the cars and go to a friend's birthday party, go to a friend's wedding and show off in a nice dress and come back home just waiting for your husband. Why would you choose such a life? Because of money. You see many ladies who are in 
I won't call them marriages, but who are in supposed marriages. And they don't even have money to plate their hair. They are literally at the mercy of their husband. They are literally prisoners. And they willfully chose to be that prison, in that prison. When you ask them, why don't you leave? Why don't you? They'll be like, no, I like what I am. And for some of these people, or for most of these people, their husband abuses them verbally, physically. But they are still there because of money. And for most of the way, they'll tell you, oh, you don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know my background. But you are just existing. So people are literally exchanging their lives for money keep your lives free from the love of money that is why that popular scripture in timothy that says that the love of money is the root of all if you know as sometimes you hear debates some will say uh, it is not the love of money it is not uh, the love the love of money it is the want of money or the need of money some will say it is not the root of all evil but it is a root of all, all sorts of shenanigans that have chosen to see what the bible says the love for money, the love for money. Jesus said, I love the Lord your God with all your heart. However you want to interpret this thing, it's up to you. But your love is to belong to God. Many people will not think twice about abandoning their family for money. Many people will not think twice about destroying a family for money. Many people will not think twice about jeopardizing a community. Maybe you are a leader in a community. Resources have been entrusted maybe to do roots because whenever it rains, the flooding destroys the lives of people. School children are destroyed in flood and you have been given money to maybe construct a bridge, do a gutter or do decent roads and you rather jeopardize the lives of children in the community, lives in the community for money. Almost, not almost, every evil in this world has its root source. So the question God is asking you is that what determines or influences the choices you make in this life? Is it God or money? But all the other pattern listen to the other side and god is simply making a case and he's saying that the pain many people are going through is not because i'm a good god it's because people have chosen to follow the idol of money and rather to listen to my voice you see beautiful women with amazing educational degrees amazing intelligence they just throw their life away and chase after money chase after so-called marriages that are no marriages in themselves and God is asking, what are you allowing to take the place? What are you allowing to take his place in my life? So tonight, God is just giving us an opportunity. He says in Revelations 2 verse 21, and we'll be ending with this. Jesus is speaking here and he says, talking about the woman Jezebel, but he said, I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. This was to Jezebel, but the principle applies to us. God is giving us space to repent. What would you do? Are you still going to allow money to be the governing authority in your life? Is money going to influence the person you marry? The place where you choose to stay? Where you take your kids to? What you like? Everything about your life. Is it going to be money or is it going to be God? And God is saying that I've given you the space to repent. Because for many of you, you have sabotaged people's families. I remember one day at work, a lady was telling me about uh, a former colleague of her whose husband was promoted. And she says, as you say, guy, like joke, like joke. Immediately, this one was promoted. And this guy was one of these government institutions that were well paid. Immediately, this man was promoted. A week after his promotion, he called the wife who was at work and be like, his stomach is hurting him, so he wants to go home. 
So the lady was like, yes, she should go home. She will close work earlier. And when she gets home, they will take him to the hospital. By the time she got home, she met her husband dead. We don't know what happened. We are not going to speculate. But she was like, they told the husband, at this position you are going to take, people will not be happy with you. Because everybody's eyes on this position. And it's just amazing how people are able to destroy a family without blinking twice, without like, it's as though their senses have been suspended just because of money. You see how money has destroyed friendships that have lasted 20 years. You see how money has destroyed the peace in homes. How money has destroyed the lives of children. How money is destroying our lives. And almost all the pain we are seeing in this world today is because somebody chose to listen to the voice of money than the voice of God. And God is simply asking you, whose voice are you going to listen to? He said that I'm giving you space to repent. Do not say yes to that lady. Do not say yes to that gentleman because you are looking at his money. You know, one day when I was on campus, a friend had a car. It was not his car, but he got his car from a friend. And he, he said that, he said that, like, I think one of we were working, it was like, we should do an experiment. He will stand um, at a junction and approach ladies. And he's betting that, let's say if he approaches 10 ladies, less than five will respond to him or maybe give his number or whatever. Then after, we will do for 10 ladies. Then after that, he will go for the car, sit in the car at the same junction and approach 10 other ladies. And it was as though he was joking. The first 10 ladies he approached without the car, let's say about two or three of them responded favorably. The next 10 ladies, every single one of them, Every, like, I stood there like I was, I, I just could not, like, when they said I was like, oh, it's not true, it's not true. Every single one of them, just because this gentleman was sitting in the car, every single one of them did it. And I was like, wow, what they call social experiment. Wow, wow. And I'm sure God is in heaven looking at us and he's saying that, remember last week we looked at the Israelites. I gave you the jewelry. I gave you the silver. I gave you the gold. How can you claim that this gold is your God who delivered you? And God is saying that I'm giving you space to repent, especially for those of us who are in positions that you are jeopardizing lives because of money, the love for money, rather than the love for God. So just as we did last week, this is a moment of reflection. Ask yourself, who has been taking the decisions in your life? Why are you deciding to marry that lady or that gentleman? Why are you deciding to do this course or that course? Why are you deciding to stay here or stay here? Why? What is the motive behind your decision? Is it because God said or it is because money said? Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with whatever you had because God has said, I will never leave you. No, let these minds have this understanding. I like what, what one good instructor says. He says that if you, if you ask him his net worth, he says his net worth is his God worth. <laughs> that because of the ever abiding presence of God, he never he never lack because he knows that if he has God, he's content because he knows that he will never lack anything. So he doesn't preach certain kinds of messages because of money. He doesn't go to certain functions because the person invited has money or doesn't have money. It is not money that influences the type of messages he preaches at church. It is not money that influences whose ceremony he attends or not by his God. So have some time in reflection. Ask God, Father, we pray for grace. Speak to God. Tell God, Father, give me grace. 
to live my life free from the love of man. Judas did not make it. Kehazi did not make it. The soldiers who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus did not make it. A guy called Balaam did not make it. When he saw the money that Barak presented, hey, even though God told Barak, Balaam, do not go and prophesy, then Barak would increase the offer. Then you go back to God, Charlie, God, the guy is increasing the amount. And God is like, hey, to the extent that he took a donkey to talk to the, how can a, you see, that's what, how can a prophet who hears the voice of God clearly was not enough he took his donkey to speak to him. That's how influencing money can be. But we're just praying to that Father, help us to keep our lives free from the love of money. Help us to recognize when money is taking the place in our lives. Help us to realize when we are idolizing money. Help us to realize when we are sidelining you for the voice of money. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, that our friends we make, people we decide to associate with will not be necessarily because of money, will be because you have said so, that we will choose you above everything else because you have said that the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Father, help us to choose you. Help us to listen to you and help us to serve you. We pray to our future, Lord, that may money never be our idol. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen and amen. Many people are destroyed for them and many people are going through pain because they chose the voice of money. And God is saying that it's not as though I'm incapable, but because people are not choosing to listen to me. Thank you for being with us and join us next week. Even as we look at the last episode of All the Arthurian Battle. The next idol that people listen to, third of God. Thank you for being with us for three years, and we hope to see you next week. We are still giving God our very best, and we are only more than nothing but love. Bye bye.